Minute is rated R. The Rocky Horror Picture Show is also rated R. We're going to spend this time discussing the movie in gory detail. And along the road, we will talk about some adult content and use some of our favorite swear words. Donkey Punch, Blumpkin, Rusty Trombone, Cleveland Steamer, Kilty Monroe. Consider yourselves warned. Welcome to Rocky Horror Minute, the podcast where we break down the Rocky Horror Picture Show in hilariously anal detail, one minute at a time. I'm one of your hosts, Leandra. And I'm your other host, Kelly. And speaking of anal, we are joined (laughs) once more by our very special guest, Major Medina of Reflex Point, the Robotech podcast. Ah, anally hilarious. Yeah, hilarious anal. (laughs) So, Kelly, what happens in this minute? So this is minute 28 of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and it begins with Frank still singing Sweet Transvestite. He yells, hit it, hit it, while kind of slapping himself on the hip, then uh, continues to say, I'm just a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. He goes over to the elevator and gets in, and he says, so come up to the lab and see what's on the slab. I see you shiver with anticipation. Famously long pause. Then he finally finishes. Patient. But maybe the rain is really to blame, so I'll remove the cause. But not the symptom. And then it's the music ends, and he goes up in the elevator. It's a big moment. And the last thing we see is the stunned Brad and Janet standing there, and then Riff puts a rag on Janet's head. I know that that was a really good Tim Curry impression, so I'll just say that now so you guys don't have to. <laughs> oh, Tim Curry. Not Sean Connery pretending to be Steve <laughs> Irwin. I, thought it was, I was thinking Sean Connery pretending to be Elvis. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, yeah, I'm a chameleon. <laughs> what that was good. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty great at acting. So, what did acting you guys is my passion. Yeah, it is. It's much like graphic design. So, uh, what did you guys have for this minute? Let's start with major. What are your thoughts? Okay. It it is not very easy to say hit it twice in the way that he does and make it sound as damn good as he does. It, it, it's damn fine the way he does it. But the thing I really love about that part is uh Columbia's hat falls or is, is about to fall off when he does that. And I I kind of think it's like reactionary to to mm-hmm. him saying hit it, hit it, and, and kind of swinging his arm around. Um but she she catches it, throws it right back on her head and and does a little quick bite in the air. I have to believe that that just happened on set. That was not like planned. And it's just such a, a stage performer quickness that she readjusts it and keeps that shot going. I love it. And if you saw the stage reading of the Rocky Horror Show that the Wisconsin Democrats had where Little Nell was there and several other people tim curry obviously um little nell was so on top of everything she was picking up people's dropped lines and she's just very much like good at what she does 
Yeah, she you, did a really amazing job in that. You can really see it just just from that little bit, just from that moment. You know, it, it, as as great as Tim Curry is in doing that transition, um, when he's saying you know, uh, groovy and and going to the smirk and looking down the barrel of the camera, she's doing just as professional and, and as great a job. Really noticeable. Really stands out, especially when you're picking it minute by minute. Yeah, and she has a dance background, a very uh, a very kind of performance-based dance background. And I think that some of her movements really do benefit from that background. And then the best line of this is, is but maybe the rain. And, and Kelly, could you just, just give us one more? <laughs> but maybe the rain is really to blame. <laughs> That was nice. Love yeah. it. You rubbed some grit on that. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. Dirty. Gross. <laughs> gritty. <laughs> like like a cane going down my throat. It was no. gritty. gritty no. <laughs> no. <sighs> the only gritty in your mouth should be a, I guess, a should mascot. A what? <laughs> yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> Yeah, that sentence didn't have a home before it <laughs> left. <laughs> okay. Uh, the only other thing is, as great as a, a moment as the anticipation is, um, they needed a pop filter on Tim when he said patient. <laughs> because that that plosive goes off with, with reckless abandon. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> the only other person that I've heard say almost those exact words is Dan. And it was because he was editing something and he was using a piece of that. And he's like, oh, but this why? This is just fueling the major and Dan shippers out there who I'm sure are already writing all kinds of fan fiction about the two of them. Honestly, as long as they get rid of the GILF fanfic, I'll be fine. <laughs> Oh, anyway, man. I'm finally going to be a part of Slash Fic. All right. <laughs> uh, besides a, a Slash Fic that you haven't written yourself, you mean? Yes. <laughs> hey, he could write this. Yes. Yeah. Pseudonyms don't count. That would be <laughs> Dear Penthouse, I never thought it would happen to me. <laughs> okay. Uh, we're Wait, normal. We're true. Speaking, wasted reading. <laughs> Speaking of segues, so yeah. the Transylvanians applaud directly after the the song is over, and they are just talking amongst themselves while moseying to the second location, which we find out later, of course, is the lab. I don't think that they are using the elevator. I think that they have to use the stairs. Yeah, I guess. I mean, they can't use the elevator, right? Because we basically have eyes on... Well, I guess they could do it. Not all of them. Well, I was going to say we have eyes on the elevator for almost the entire time until we're up in the lab. But then I realized, eh, there's this scene coming up where they're getting undressed and stuff. But I don't think that elevator could go up and down that many trips <laughs> in that amount of time. Yeah, not so much. But maybe. It's like, it's literally like one minute, like 60 seconds before we're going to be in the elevator. So, but I'm pretty excited about that minute. Mm -hmm. So Columbia and Magenta 
during this final piece of the song, they are really interacting super well with each other. Columbia is kind of lounging into the throne, mirroring what Riff is doing, who's kind of on his own with one leg crossed over the other and kind of kicking it. Columbia, on the other hand, is also lounging on the throne and has a leg up in the air. And Magenta is holding that leg and kind of cocking it like a gun. Yeah, or like and, air guitaring it almost. Yeah. And, like a leg guitar. And this is one of those things that either uh, either Columbia has to be incredibly flexible or Magenta has to be very short or something because it is actually somewhat difficult to get a leg all the way up there just from personal experience. Um, even incredibly limber people uh, have some trouble getting it at quite that angle. Yeah, because there's like an element of balance too. You're on the arm of that chair. Yeah, and this is a trash throne that we're using. I wouldn't trust it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so one thing that I had uh, from the commentary, Richard O'Brien noted that Tim Curry did not shave under his arms. And you can see it in this minute. Patricia Quinn chimed in with him and Julia Roberts, which was ridiculously shady and unnecessary. And then Richard O'Brien added, yeah, he's a right hussy. <laughs> Which, again, I don't know if that's a hussy quality, but there you go. I don't know that anybody has ever said, oh, Julia Roberts, you know, she doesn't shave under her arms. I mean, Patricia Quinn has, I guess. Well, yes. That's her issue with her, I guess. Famous beef between Patricia Quinn and Julia Roberts. Oh, obviously. So this one, fairly... Fairly low on details. After the after the song is over, and you see Brad and Janet, they've actually switched sides of where uh, where you saw them last. Brad is now on the far left, and Janet is now on the far right. Riff walks over to Janet and takes this disgusting, bloody rag and okay. put it. Right, right over her head, and this rag is just—it's got drips of blood all around it, and it is honestly kind of beautiful in an abstract sort of way, but not something that I'd want on my head. <laughs> well, it's great because when that when that shot comes up and you see Brad and Janet, if you look between them, uh, Riff is coming off the chair, and he flourishes out that rag from his pocket. Oh yeah, like a magician almost. He really, he really does. And I was like, "Ooh, ooh, I saw something. Saw something I've never seen before." And there are so many times in other minutes that you see him just kind of slowly lurking over to his next location. I think that Richard O'Brien does a really good job of body acting as riffraff. Well, I was going to say um, when when he says "night" during the song. Uh, I, my my focus gets pulled towards him and, and not on Frank. Oh yeah, uh, he 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 has a great face and he holds that great face just after saying the one line. I I I love watching him. Yeah, and I think that for many people when they're watching Rocky Horror for the first through fifth time, it takes them a while to get out of the 
the Frankenfurter orbit. But sure. once you do that, then it's very hard to get back into it once you see what Riff Raff's doing. I know that we have some callbacks, but uh, we were talking kind of in between recordings about some things that we lamented that we had missed in previous minutes. So before we get into callbacks, we want to quickly dive into those. The major one uh, that I wanted to call out was the fact that in one of the previous minutes, I made a big deal out of saying, remember, Columbia's in front, Magenta's in the middle, riffraff's behind them. Magenta had to look over her shoulder to see her brother. And I said, I would talk about this in the next minute. And then, like the liar I am, I didn't. <laughs> so the reason that I wanted to throw that out there was the very next time that you see them in that row, Columbia and Riffraff have switched. And I think that that is a weird but kind of fun thing to see because you also see Columbia go from kind of holding her lapels to quickly kind of putting her hands down like, oh, I'm super excited in this direction now. But that was the one that I just wanted to throw out there. Yeah, I always thought of that as a mild continuity error, which fuck you, Sue Mary. <laughs> continuity editor of the film. She could have done better, but she didn't. So thank you. Yeah. I mean, I really relate to that. <laughs> so I mean, here we are going <laughs> yeah, back in time in this minute. So how much bullshit that uh, can we give to Sue Mary? Right, exactly. Especially before the advent of VHS, you know? Yeah. You may have watched it over maybe even 20 times in the theater, but the, they weren't expecting you to take it home and, and be able to freeze frame. Yeah, that's true. So the the thing I brought up uh, and we said save it was uh, so I, I, I do love listening to the call, listening for the callbacks and, and hearing them. How in the world did this thing catch on and, and get around, especially pre-internet? And as I kind of mentioned to you then, there were a couple of things that got callbacks to be quite as ubiquitous as they as they became and are now. So first off, the original kind of large group of callbacks came from New York. And then from there... I believe that it skipped over back to LA and Hollywood. And then there was the advent of the fan club and there was a newsletter within the fan club. There was an amount of sharing of that information through the newsletter, but the major breakthrough with that is back in 1983, there was this special promotional event held for uh, the release at the Roxy Theater. It was an album called the Rock Hair Picture Show Audience Participation Album. Say it. <laughs> <laughs> and it is literally just the entire audio of the Rock Hair Picture Show along with the callbacks. And it was um, as performed by the 8th Street Players at the 8th Street Playhouse in New York City. And now you know, and knowing is half the battle. That makes sense. G.I. Joe. All right. That's it. That's like uh, when McDonald's had a promotional uh, record that they would give out when you ordered a Big Mac uh, that would teach you the 
to all be patty to all be patty special sauce lettuce cheese pickled onions on a, on a sesame seed bun <laughs> <laughs> and if you went in and said it you'd get a free big mac but now it lives rent-free in my head and that was 20 <laughs> years ago did you at least get your big mac no i was wow. no no, I didn't have the kind of self-confidence to walk in and sing to the, to the cashier. Yeah. I'll do a lot for free food. <laughs> You'll do a lot for a little. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now that we've concluded that, dare I say, time warp, <laughs> let's... um Do it again? Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, yeah. sort of. We've ended a uh, we've ended a song. How does this rank for you, Kelly? This is one of my favorite songs in the movie. I would have to give it I guess a 5 again. I don't have any major issues with it. It's iconic and I love it. It's not one that I would listen to outside of the context of the movie, obviously, for it does not make sense. I also, when I was a child, I completely missed the fact that, like, transsexual was a city or something, and or a country or something, and Transylvania was the planet, even though they do say it later in the movie. So I thought that that was basically nonsense <laughs> for many years before I was like, oh, wait, that's the planet, and what, the city? The country? Well, Magenta says sweet transsexual land of night. And then prior to that, oh, right. I'm Rift, sorry. Riffraff says we're about to beam the entire house back to the planet of Transylvania in the galaxy of no, transsexual in the galaxy of Transylvania. Of course he does. God, how many times have I heard that? I am such an idiot. So right, yeah. Transsexual is the planet. Transylvania is the galaxy. They say it in the movie. I'm a dumb slut. All right. All true statements. Yeah, I was going to say, feel free to contradict me, Leandra. No, you're good. All right. Um, so <laughs> to answer the question you didn't ask, I would actually rate this song fairly fairly low. Um, I, I would give this a three out of five, not because I hate it, but because I think that it's just, it's not as good as like science fiction double feature. And yes, it has some wonderful kind of visual aspects to it. But if we're talking strictly about the song itself, this is not one that I ever go, oh, man, I really want to hear Sweet Transvestite right now. I guess I'm the same, which is why I was wrestling with whether I wanted to give it like a four or a five. Um, it's definitely below the other songs I've rated five, which are There's a Light and um, Science Fiction Double Feature. Now, I will say that Dan and I were on a road trip with one of the Frankenfurters on our cast. Dr. Corinne. Mm -hmm. She's an actual doctor. And she had kind of started dozing off in the front. And I was very asleep because that's what I do in the car. Mm -hmm. And Dan was driving and Corinne immediately woke up and just started screaming the lyrics to this song when it came up <laughs> on the... <laughs> and I mean, I, I was there, but fully asleep, so I don't know exactly what Dan's response was, but that was what woke her up. <laughs> that is actually super hilarious. But yeah, um, let's go ahead and dig into callbacks. Oh, I had a couple more notes. Oh, okay. Gee golly. 
just a couple of things. First of all, I think this is a really good characterization moment for Janet, because this is the first sign that we have that she's kind of changing her mind about this whole situation. It's the first time she smiles since coming into the, at least sincerely smiles, after he says, after he basically gives her the gratification of saying patient, she has a big sincere grin, not like a weak, polite smile. And she seems to be, I don't know, maybe coming around. And then I also, there's like a lot of debate over the actual lyric where he says, maybe the rain is uh, really to blame. A lot of people think he's saying isn't. I've been in passionate arguments that Leandra was present for, and yes, and being very neutral about, uh, even though it was... It doesn't make sense for him to say maybe the rain isn't really to blame. He, he, he has like an uh afterward, but there you go. And if you listen to recordings from the Rocky Horror Show, it's a little bit more obvious even in times that Tim Curry has played that. Uh, subtitles are on my side, not that that means much. So that's what I've got. I'm firmly in the camp that he's saying maybe the rain is really to blame. After you've reminded me that this was an argument that we had, because uh, friends of this podcast will know I have the memory of a goldfish. <laughs> I don't remember shit. So I did a little bit of research on what the uh, what this argument looks like on the interwebs and the people who feel strongly that they're saying, but maybe the rain isn't really to blame. It's because Frank is alluding to the fact that the reason that they're shivering is not because they're wet and uncomfortable from the rain. It's that they are wet uh, they are wet, yes, and <laughs> uncomfortable, yes, but it's not oh. from the rain. <laughs> but that he had literally just said, I see you shiver with anticipation, but maybe the rain is really to blame. Right. So that's what I'm saying. Okay. Major thoughts? It's just <laughs> before, I've never heard this argument, <laughs> um, but I did think it was isn't really to blame. Uh, which made sense to me and, and is just what I heard uh, because this is one of my favorite songs. But now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, okay, it makes sense. Is uh, really to blame. Okay. Yeah, he has I'm like a... I'm on, your, I'm, I'm on your podcast and I am on your side. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Uh, so there we go. Major is the final authority. He's laid down the law there. But side note... Jeff Goldblum as Frankenfurter is a really to blame. <laughs> it's in your head. Jeff Goldblum. Oh, I would watch the shit out of that. Surely we all would. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So that is what I had notes wise. So unless Major has anything, we can go into callbacks now. I got nothing. All right. First of all, right before the very beginning of this minute where he says, hit it, hit it, you can say, what do you do with a crying baby? Eh, jokes. Uh, parenting advice. <laughs> then after he says, so, I always yell, what? Not much of a callback, but I do it anyway. He says, come up to the lab. You say, I can't come that high. And then 
of course, when he says between Anticip and Patien, everybody in the whole audience should be screaming, say it, say it, say it. It's important. And then when he says, I'll remove the cause, there's a long pause during which you can do one of two things. You can start listing things like, but what about the itching and the burning and the rash and the pus? Oh, God, the pus, etc. Then he says, but not the symptom. Damn it. <laughs> you can do that. Or I actually prefer to say, what about Bart, Lisa, Marge, Maggie, Homer, but not the symptom. And then you go because it kind of sounds you could make an argument. It sounds like Simpson. And finally, uh, right before the rag, so you say right at the end, before Riff Raff puts the rag on Janet's head, you say, Janet's on the rag. And the response to that is, no, the rag's on Janet. So my callbacks for this, I have just a couple of extra ones. Uh, the, the final, I'm just a sweet transvestite that Frank does. He does this kind of chugga chugga thing with his hands and you can say i'm just a diesel locomotive choo choo <laughs> and i i'm not sure if other people love that as much as i do but it is it's it's so good <laughs> and then when he finally gets the elevator and he goes so i say well la ti do ah. and come up to the lab i can't come that high um and see what's on the slab. Is it meatloaf? Is it <laughs> naked? <laughs> I I see Shiver with Antissa. This movie sucks without audience participation. I think that we already went through that one. Um, but maybe the rain. Hallelujah, send money. <laughs> and put your hands up in the air and you kind of like do the do the glad hands. When they say is uh really to blame, you go, no, Sue's to blame. No, oh, Sue's right. to marry. Yeah, exactly. If you are us, or I guess a devoted fan of this podcast, you will start saying no Seuss to Mary after the Seuss to Blame callbacks. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Tell your friends. Yeah, it's going to catch on. Yeah. And then just to add to your Simpsons one, after you go, but what about Bart, Marge, Maggie, Lisa, and OJ? Oh, shit. I haven't heard that. That's good. And if you don't have any more callbacks, and I don't have any more callbacks, Major, I've got bad news for you. Oh? That means that your time with us, and by extension, your time on this world, has come to an end. Because we need to send you out into the woods as a sacrifice to Perry Bedden. Yeah. I, I march proudly having done that. <laughs> I appreciate that you're, that you're so willingly going. I've had a good life. But before that, if you want to join in on our farewell to the audience, because it will be your farewell to the rest of the world, we're going to go with now. Yeah. You, you don't, don't have, have to go, to go home, home, but you can't, you can't stay, stay here, here so get the, get the fuck, fuck out. out.